It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome, everyone. Happy New Year. This is Colonel Rhett John, Colonel Rhett John, the National Security Hour for America Out Loud News Network. So this is our first show of 2024, and we just have an absolutely awesome guest who I've gotten to know and uh, meet and talk with a number of times. Very impressed with them. A gentleman named Eric Prince. Eric Prince. And... Uh, when Eric says something, pay attention. I mean, this 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 gentleman has a lot of really good uh, uh, things to say. I mean, it's Victor Davis Hanson with a trident. Okay, so uh, when when Eric says something, pay attention. Pay attention. I've always been impressed with him, and I think if his advice had been followed, uh, the whole debacle, uh, the just the shameful debacle of Kabul and the departure from Afghanistan. Uh, um, would have turned out another way. But Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, sir. And that is the best honorific I've ever received. I have I, I have huge admiration for Victor Davis Hanson. That's a guy I look up to. So being called Victor Davis Hanson with a trident, it, it doesn't get any better for me. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. Well, I'm serious about that. It's, uh, Eric has <clears throat> always impressed me because you, you got people who can think strategic but they don't know how to get to it. They don't know how to get through the tactical and the operational, get to the strategic. And you got the other kind that are kind of tactical. And, you know, they don't, they, they know how to do the tactical stuff. They could do an L-shaped ambush all day long, but they don't, they, it's, not, it's not about L-shaped ambushes, okay? It's about, you know, achieving uh, end states. And this is where we get folks like Mattis, um, who, uh, you know, it's one of these guys who made it to four star, who at heart was really a, a, a company commander. And, uh, you know, this is the challenge and this, this is what gets us debacles, but Eric, welcome to the show, please uh, introduce yourself a little bit in your journey to where you're at today. Well, oh, thank you. I was born and raised in West Michigan to a, uh, very industrious family. My dad uh, was a self-made man started a, a business which made first diecast machines and then automotive parts and it grew very large just thousands of employees um but i grew up not really paying attention to the business i always wanted to be in the military and uh, i went off to the naval academy after high school i stayed for a year and a half i resigned because i loved the navy but didn't like the academy already even in the in the late 80s it was already getting woke and, um, you know, imagine, uh, imagine universities, but then imagine ones run by the federal government. And it was kind of the, you know, I think the, the Naval Academy then was kind of the canary in the coal mine. But I went from there to Hillsdale College. Um, I had a good experience there, was an intern for George Bush Sr. Uh, in 1990, 91. It was before Monica Lewinsky made uh, White House internships popular. <laughs> and... Um, uh, I went off from there to officer candidate school back in the Navy, uh, SEAL training. And then I was stationed on the East coast, SEAL team eight, uh, very good experience in the teams. I really liked the people I worked with. 
I'd planned to stay longer, but my father died and my wife got cancer at 29. And so I got out to uh, sort out the family situation, but I really wanted to stay connected to the SEAL teams. And I think a lot of people had the idea of building a training facility because SEAL teams have been using, a lot of soft units have been using small private facilities, kind of like a dojo or a, a small shooting school, but no one had done it on an industrial scale. And really because of my father's success and I knew what the teams needed, um, I built it now. And at that point, I didn't know anything about defense contracting, business or land development, but what could go wrong? And uh, started, went back to, you know, you kind of go back to the well that you know. And I, I hired some guys out of steel team that I worked with from firearms instructors to a couple of the training warrant officers and um, built the facility. Uh, the original Blackwater footprint was, was seven ranges, um, a shoot house, um, a short Rogers range out to some tactical carbine ranges. And then, a, and then a 1300 yard um, known distance sniper range. And that was really, we ground along. And then the Navy came with the, the U S Navy was our first big customer. The fleet was because the USS Cole was blown up in October mm -hmm. of 2000. And so we ended up training more than a hundred thousand sailors uh, nationwide in our main facility and a number of satellite facilities that we stood up. And so that's, that's kind of how we got that start. And, and then wow. nine 11 happens and we kept saying yes to our customers as they had more and more demands. And we had a, our management team was really unique because it was basically a, it was like a special operations unit because everybody came from that world, but a lot of them had, MBA or big company experience. <clears throat> and so blending that very capable, run hard attitude of a soft guy with good business practice. And we, um, it was a pretty capable organization and it grew quickly. And, um, you know, <laughs> sadly, the business was ruined by politics mm -hmm. in the, in the Vietnam war, the anti-war left went after contractors and then the Iraq, Afghanistan, efforts <clears throat> the left really wanted to go after contractors and blackwater represented everything they loved to hate because i was the sole owner i was a white male married to a woman that had a lot of kids i was a roman catholic my family was conservative and active my sister um was very active in the republican party back in michigan and man they came for us with every every element of the federal government it was um most unnerving and disgusting we kind of planned to deal with our nation's problems and threats overseas and doing diplomatic security and for the various uh, other government entities that need it. We did airlift. We did medevac. We did a lot of rough, difficult, dangerous jobs. Forty-three of our men were killed in action doing the work of the U.S. government, but we never really planned for the bureaucratic beltway assault that, uh, that came at us. So that's a uh, that's not why you had me on tonight, but um, that's that, that, that's worth a whole other episode if people want to hear what not to do in serving your country. Yeah, no, that was that's awesome, Eric. And I, this was before I met you, but we we, I think I've shared with you we intersected several ways. Now, then let me go through the checklist. There, Hillsdale, great check. That's awesome. Presidential intern, awesome. I never knew that. Um, the, I was a fireman uh, in college. I was a fireman in college as well. 
And I, I would just add that because I learned more about leadership as a, um, they're called volunteer firemen in Michigan, but we actually got paid. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know how that works. But anyway, as a fireman in college, I had to go through all the training. <clears throat> I learned more about small unit leadership and being a good follower and then being a good leader than the very artificial attempt that the Naval Academy does. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, I could clearly see a difference in the kind of leadership from guys that went to OCS or that came from the fleet or ROTC versus academy officers. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that the academy produces great officers anymore. I think good officers, some good leaders go there and survive the academy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, in 2006. And I, I got a lot of grief for this. Uh, I wrote, uh, I had to write the language in the NDAA about uh, private military contractors being uh, subject to UCMJ I was a big fan. I mean, I was a big fan of, uh, I didn't even know you at the time. I didn't know Blackwater, but I said, look, this is, this is a, this is a critical capability. Okay. If we need boundaries, we need boundaries, but we, 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 but they clearly targeted you. No question about that. And later. uh, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Finish. Well, I, I think I may have shared this story with you, but, uh, it was before I met you, but I was on the joint staff and, uh, one general came to me and they had a, an issue, a, a friendly country needed armed helicopter response quickly. I can't go into any more details. And I said, well, uh, I'll tell you what, how about you, how about I'm going to call the director of aviation for Blackwater and uh, I'll talk to him and we'll see how fast they can generate uh, capability and deploy it. Um, one general loved it. Another, his, his, his general, his boss general, uh, I thought was going to have a stroke or a heart attack on the spot. And uh, uh, in the end, uh, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I reached out to the director, of your, your director of aviation and and got them going. And uh, I said, look, I just, here's the country. Here's Blackwater Aviation. I'm not endorsing anything. You just, the two of you talk and see what you can work out. I was just, one general asked me to do something. That's all I did. <laughs> so. Yeah. <clears throat> Look, re- regarding the UCMJ, we, as a company, we were in favor of that because we agree with accountability, but closest to where you can still smell the battlefield, mm-hmm. not putting it in a in a federal courtroom 7,000 miles away from the edge of battle with people that can't even find Iraq or Afghanistan on the map, let alone know what a car bomb or a suicide vest or anything like that is does what the after effects are none of that but the, the big problem there was that state department did not want any of their people subject to the ucmj so we were thrown under their under their bus yet again so that, that, that's my biggest professional mistake was ever going to work with those guys yeah well i remember clearly when uh because i had to address a lot of these matters when the obama team came on board and uh I'm not very good at being smarmy and passive aggressive. They're, they're very good at being smarmy and passive aggressive. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, uh, they, as soon as, Oh, John, we shan't be able to do any of this PMC work anymore, even though they still did it, but with a company they liked, uh, cause they like to pick winners and losers. And, uh, mm-hmm. 
So I think that was shameful. And, uh, and I, that's when I started to get targeted. I said, hey, I, I, I'm going to give my best advice no matter who is in office. I don't care. Take it or leave it. But that's when I started getting the targeting routine. So, so Eric, where, where do you think we are right now in the Middle East with Hamas, the Houthis, Iran, China? Where, 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 where do you think we are and where are we headed in the Middle East? Um, I think the Israelis are making steady but costly progress in, against uh, Hamas. They have, you know, Hamas prepared. They had 300 some miles of tunnels. I gave them some some advice right after the attack. I went over there, uh, offered to bring the very best of Texas. Um, I, you know, because in every military, they have they get their their they get bubble think right. They're in their bubble. This is what they know and what they do. But I also know how good Texas drilling is, both in the oil and gas space and in the infrastructure space. So offered them some ideas to extend their range and accuracy. And I don't claim to be any drilling expert, but I will claim to be an expert in moving water, having built Blackwater uh, facility on a on a 3,000-acre piece of land that was as flat as your kitchen table. We know how to move water. <laughs> we had to. But um, so they're trying to do that with their own internal resources now, and that's it's too bad because – you know, what they're still getting is a lot of uh, pop-up ambush flanking stuff because the bad guys can go into the tunnels, pop out behind them, ambush, clack off uh, an IED or uh, an RPG in their rear, kill some guys, and then disappear. Look, whether they do, they should do a big horizontal drill shot all the way across those areas and fill it, flood it with either seawater or ANFO to pressurize and sever everything, or um, I would treat it like a big duck impoundment and go two kilometer box by two kilometer box, put up a small berm with a very large volume pump, a turbine driven pump that you can bring in right on a barge right to the, the sea, the seawater's edge and just flood the shit out of that place. Water always finds its own level mm-hmm. and it would find every crevice, every, Every underground space would quickly become uninhabitable. And that there's two things, three things. One, it's a forcing issue. If there's hostages down there, they have to move the hostages because they're, they're, the hostages are no good to them dead. Two, it denies them the ability to maneuver. And three, it destroys all their underground arms caches because I, I guarantee they don't have super watertight compartmentalization uh, in their arms rooms. And so seawater and even better pressurized seawater would take care of that so hopefully they uh they come around and adapt some of those changes because the the constant aerial bombing it was a bad look for them and you know that's water looks much gentler but it has a much more permanent effect than uh than one blast of a bomb on the houthis um it's yet again another iranian proxy that's really flexed up and done um, done a real number, and and the fact that uh, you know the, the Navy just engaged four of their gunboats, sank three of them, and then the U.S. immediately announces that they're de-escalating and all the rest. That's the wrong move. These guys understand one thing: they understand force. They understand a two by four 
right to the side of their head and trying de-escalation and, and um, uh, the, the, the Pentagon approach to this is, is completely wrong. When they, when they try to do proportional response, oh. no, it, they need, they, you need a Scipio Africanus kind of response. When he went down to destroy Carthage after, after Hannibal and Carthage had been raiding in Rome in, in Italy, <clears throat> Carthage must be destroyed that kind of punitive raid, punitive power delivered to the Houthis is the only thing they'll understand. And the fact that they're jamming up a significant waterway, cutting off like half the world's container flow is really bad. And most people in America or in Europe don't appreciate that until their, <clears throat> until their Amazon package gets delivered late. Yeah. But it is, you know, the, the, it's like the first thing I learned at the Naval Academy was all the Naval choke points. And why they matter, and here we have a non a non nation state, but effectively an an armed Iranian proxy that is now shut off. Effectively, one of the world's major choke points from from you know the the, the Pax Americana, the the sea the safe navigation that globalism has appreciated for the last eighty years is done. Yeah, that's. Wow. I, I, nobody fears the U.S. Navy anymore. And you use the term proportionality. Proportionality translated means more Americans are going to die. I, this, this cult of proportionality is, is bad. But uh, Eric, thank you so much. That was absolutely awesome. Uh, everyone, uh, we're going to come back here with the next segment. Uh, this is Colonel Rhett John with uh, Eric Prince the National Security Hour for America Out Loud News Network. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Carl Rett John on the uh, National Security Hour uh, for America Out Loud News Network. I have absolutely awesome guest here, Eric Prince. And uh, Eric was just giving a, a, a great overview of the, the Middle East and what's going on. And uh, what, what, what else do you see here uh, as... I mean, are they going to block off? Is this just going to expand uh, to a war on merchant shipping across an even broader area? What's and what's. what's uh, well, uh, the interesting thing is they're not um, they're not attacking any Russian shipping mm-hmm. and they're not attacking any Chinese shipping, just anything that's uh, European or American Western per se. So it's a very selective blockade, you know, I think it's important to delve into the the military fail. You know, the U.S. military had a terrible problem with IEDs when they're in Iraq and Afghanistan. You had a two or three hundred dollar roadside bomb, or maybe a five hundred dollar EFP explosive form penetrator uh, that was shredding armored Humvees, Abrams tanks, etc. Now you have a twenty thousand dollar long range drone which is not only smashing into U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria, but even attacking uh, billion-dollar warships. And they're having to launch two to two-and-a-half million-dollar SM-2 standard missiles mm-hmm. to knock that thing down. And so $20,000 takes a... And they're probably launching two missiles to kill one drone, right? Because you double-tap that just to be sure. They are they are going to run out of missiles very quickly, and I think that's one of the reasons the U.S. is not going harder against Iran is because they worry of do they have enough defensive missiles to to soak that up? And and this is <laughs> so we've we've given a lot of those missiles, pushed them into Ukraine, or knocking down incoming Russian equipment. I, I, it's a terrible yes. The U.S. defense industrial base. Is pathetic and it's behind and it's neutered, but so much of that is so quickly fixable if you just take the blinders off because there's a massive amount of automotive production capacity and electronics and all the rest. And if you give out the specs for the components for those missiles, I think you'd be shocked at how much volume you could crank up quickly. Um, a great book your audience should uh, should should read. It's called. Um, Freedom's Forge, and it's about the transition of the U.S. industry, especially the automotive industry, to 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 crank up for World War II. And coming mm-hmm. from Michigan, it meant a lot reading that because um, we still have a lot of industrial capacity here, but it's not slated towards defense. But it's not it's not impossible <laughs> to retask that stuff. It just takes some visionary purchasing people, contracting people. Um, in the Pentagon to make those decisions. But don't go back to the same idiots, and I will say idiots, at Raytheon, Lockheed, Northrop, Boeing. No, because they're going to go the Pentagon, slow, massive, expensive way. And that's not what we need right now. We need fast, efficient, innovative. Throw it out to some mid-sized guys because they'll probably find a way to 3D print most of the parts instead Mm -hmm. of even having to machine them all. So... Um, so yes, the Navy has, has lost a huge amount of its deterrent factor because they're, they're so expensive and, Mm -hmm. and, and how long is this sustainable 
to be escorting ships through the Bab al-Mandab um, when, and, and not solving the root problem of the issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's two things a military commander does. Coordinates information, meaning receive information, transmit information to subordinates. And two, you release energy, drive the ship from here to there, move that division from up that hill, or fire that weapon. Our cost of energy, the cost of delivering energy onto the enemy has gotten so far out of whack mm -hmm. that we, we can't afford to even take on tribesmen in flip-flops attacking us with sophisticated or unsophisticated weapons. So we've truly lost the plot, and it takes a very different kind of leader to smash those old paradigms and to make them do things differently. Yeah. 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 You're, we're running out of, uh, it's literally, uh, it, it is an issue of magazine capacity on the ships. Uh, we don't, we've, we've abandoned the capability to reload at sea. Uh, excuse me. I don't know where we're going to reload and we've cut our, our MSC mm. support fleet. I don't know how we're even going to reload those ships without bringing them back to Suda Crete. I don't, I don't even know how we're going to do this. Um, well, look, I, one of our old contracts that we did, our, our air wing is we did, um, we did vert rep, vertical replenishment. Mm -hmm. Our helicopters embarked aboard any one of the, uh, the merchant Marine fleet, uh, the MSC fleet, and, uh, we could sling weapons. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a way. A, a bosun's mate could figure out how to how to put those missiles back in those in the VLS uh, tubes at sea yeah. if we had to. Yeah, yeah. They took out the crane. Uh, this was like twenty years ago. They it was actually in the nineties. They took out the crane in the uh, in the VLS uh, uh, packs because they said, "Yeah, we're not going to do this at sea. It's too difficult, too dangerous, even with the crane." Uh, well, yeah. Look, we're when here we are. So. Yeah, that, that's bad. And and I uh, I'm uh, I I actually had called up the CENTCOM watch floor a couple of days ago because I said you, you guys are saying that the Houthis are shooting ballistic missiles. Please give me a definition of a ballistic missile here. I don't think they're shooting ballistic missiles that go up into space. I mean, this is not the Chinese DF twenty one and twenty six. So they they they'd probably they'd probably be shooting um, Scud or Scarab. Um, level, yes, it's a missile that flies in a ballistic path, but nothing that's nothing that's going into uh, you know low orbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is bad. And I and I heard uh, you know the Iran is going to send like a small, like a Corvette uh, sized ship. I'm they already have. It, but but here's the other. But here's the other thing. The ridiculous thing is, there's an Iranian vessel in the Straits already. An Iranian intelligence vessel. <laughs> Um, I'm just quickly finding, I think it's called the Shiv, the, it's called the Saviz. Okay. It's an Iranian intelligence vessel. And that's, what's providing them the targeting information because look, the Houthis are not running some phased array radar. They're not getting a, a, a feed from space. Somebody has to tell them which ship to shoot at and what coordinates and how to aim. It's provided by the Iranian vessel. So mm -hmm. again, the fact that we, we lack their creativity to kneecap this vessel, which is targeting all these ships. And okay, should it should it blow up? Yes. If you don't want to make it blow up, fine. Drag a Dyneema cord, a cable, through its prop and follow mm -hmm. its prop. 
so it's dead in the water mm-hmm. and then drag it somewhere or but for god's sake be creative um i just find the, the irony of of the raytheon sm2 missiles um with lloyd austin that's his former employer so mm-hmm. again i guess he's not going to make uh there's not a lot of new think going on in the Pentagon, which is so desperately needed. Yeah, it's just sad and tragic. And all it means is is more Americans and uh, and uh, our partners are going to die. Uh, uh, the, the, the silliness of letting this, the nanosecond, we have the capability, the nanosecond that Iranian ship transmits anything, torch it. Torch it. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> So this is just letting this in that, I mean, this is the forever war mentality. It's not about winning. It's, it's, well, it's about being afraid of taking any kind of decisive action anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, and our cost of energy is so high that it's, it's what what, the, the, um, the shoulders of giants that we're stepping on um, are getting tired. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and there's no guarantee that uh, uh, the deterrence that we've enjoyed, because look, we don't have hardly any much, the, the size of the U.S. Navy is tiny compared to what it should be for actually mm-hmm. pre- preserving freedom navigation on the high seas. There is a, that, that, that big delta is, is the perceived deterrence credibility capability of the, of the U.S. Navy. And, Getting um, getting harassed by the Hashtashabi in Iraq, the the Iranian surrogate force that is it's like two hundred thousand of them in Iraq, and by the Houthis uh, in Yemen, really destroys any remaining um, benefit of that credibility, uh, you know, badge on our shoulder. Started badly in Afghanistan, or really it started in Iraq. The fact is, Iraq has been a catastrophic failure. The country is run and ruled by the Iranians. We still have a base there. That's why the Iranians want it out so badly. But we've allowed the Iranian state to to subjugate the Iraqi people. We did that. We, the United States government, screwed that up completely. Yeah, this is just a a tragedy, what's going on here. And the... uh... Uh, it's just I've spent so much time with the Obama Biden folks, and it's just this. Trump knew the concept of punching back. It is just not in the DNA of the Obama Biden folks. How many times I got lectured of, well, if we if we fight terrorism, we create terrorism. If we if we whack the Iranian vessel or whack the Houthis will just create more. No, no. Or if we, uh, that was, it was why Trump uh, killing Qasem Soleimani mm-hmm. sent shockwaves through the entire Middle East because mm-hmm. all of our friends said, hallelujah, that guy's been sticking it to us forever. I mean, he was, he was the main enemy. He was a combination of, of Goebbels, Himmler and Skorzeny all in one guy. He was a very capable foe and good on Trump for smoking him. Yeah, yeah. He had a magnificent beard, but uh, it went to pieces shortly after he got his visit. Uh, so uh, uh, it, this is, this is if you want peace, you have to prepare for war and you have to show clarity and resolve in these matters. And it's just, 
um, they're uh, just not in their DNA or they're, they just can't, it, it's not in their thought process. Uh, so ergo, we just have more conflict. Oh, that's bad. So what, what do you think is, uh, there was a, a, Ch a Chinese military university professor. I can't remember his name just a couple of days ago. And he just came said, well, the Houthis are essentially doing our work for us. Hmm. Sure. Every twenty thousand dollar drone they um, <clears throat> they they launch chews up at least one or two uh, surface air missiles that the U.S. Navy doesn't have to deter uh, aggression against Taiwan. So I think um, the the erosion of capability uh, of credibility, really both because our stocks are thin, uh, our industrial base is bloated and bureaucratic and unresponsive and our leadership is not very decisive in the decision making and all of that adds up to um a dangerous a very dangerous time for taiwan as a country um the election um in a few weeks um who knows if the ccp is able to uh, to swing it their way to the the, the kmt or even to the foxconn guy who's even more pro beijing because all of his assets are sitting in uh, on the mainland. Um, it's um, a very dangerous time, and I'd be worried most around uh, April, May, early June, because that's the good weather months. I uh, I actually have a I do a bit of sailing, and um, so I have a wind app which tracks wind all over the world. So I often check the um, what's happening in the Straits of um, of Taiwan. And, um, you know, now, nowadays it's blowing 20, 30 knots, which is not great for any kind of amphibious or airborne assault. So, you know, I, I can't imagine the Chinese, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it during the Biden administration, just because of the pervasive weakness and who knows what, what corruption they have on Biden already. Um, and, and so they have a, a, a mandate to do it in 24 before our election and the weather would drive them to do it this spring. So th those are the times that I would be paying the most attention to, to something. And it's not going to, I don't think it would look like a full on normal invasion. It's going to be some kind of a maritime militia will stimulate some issue on some other small Taiwanese Island and then they'll escalate from there. There'll be some kind of a hybrid war takedown. And, and not to mention that they would have, could could easily have forward staged thousands or tens of thousands of call it plainclothes PLA special operations personnel into Taiwan already, uh, ready to uh, receive orders and um, and seize specific targets. Yeah, what do you I, think? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was listening to you. Uh, you did a, a another wonderful uh, uh, interview podcast, and you said something that really got my attention and uh, you and I talked a little bit after that was uh, the uh, the ready reserve and training the Taiwanese to have a ready to reserve quick access to weapons. And in, even in 2014, that was actually an agenda item in our discussions with the Taiwanese. And it's a very weird concept. I mean, we give our citizens access to weapons. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. The thing that really stopped the Russian invasion um, of Ukraine, especially if it kept them from taking Kiev, was a home guard, was people that, you know, 
school teachers that went and grabbed an RPG or a, a machine gun or landmines and just said, not today. And they fought. And that's literally what stopped that Russian advance. Look, Taiwan, the military is what? A hundred, 150,000 active duty and heavily penetrated every key weapon system that they have. I'm sure is pre-registered for multiple strikes by Chinese precision rockets. And so, but the one thing that the PLA cannot plan on is two or 3% of the population that is trained and armed and willing to defend their home, their neighborhood, their village. And so turning every village into another fortress is the best way because if China go, does this, they have to be done with it quickly. They cannot sustain a one and two year campaign to try to pacify Taiwan because they import energy, they import food, they cannot afford to be sanctioned and to have that level of blockage. And, but you know, if you look at what the US and the American Revolution, you had 40% that were pro crown loyalists. He had 30% in the middle that were just trying to survive and 30% that were pro-liberty, but only 10% of that 30%, 3% were the only people that actually took up arms and fought for the American liberty. So if you trained, there's what, 24 million people in Taiwan? Mm-hmm. So what is that? 720,000. Even if you had 500,000, imagine you've now tripled the size of the army that doesn't require mobilization, that all they have to do is go to the local firehouse, civil defense bunker, under the police department, whatever it is, and they have the basics of small arms, some urban tactics, some EFPs, some small drones, some first-person drones, you know, uh, FPV drones. Um, It would be a nightmare for an invading force to meet that level of opposition. And... And even though Taiwanese society is, is alien to that, there are people that are trying to do it. They're training with airsoft. They're doing hand-to-hand stuff. Come on. We could quickly turn on proper training programs for that small segment, segment of society. But it, you're right. It is a cultural thing. They are not used to dispersing uh, that much power to the masses. Yeah, we take yeah. that for granted in America. We have a gun culture, and that every citizen has the right to be armed and the right to defend his homestead. Um, they need to change that attitude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Great points, Eric. Great points. Well, everyone, th- thank you so much. Uh, we're going to have one more segment here with Eric Prince. This is Colonel Rat John on the National Security Hour for America Out Loud News Network. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, everyone, to the final segment. Uh, Colonel Rhett John, National Security Hour for America Out Loud News Network. And I have an absolutely awesome guest, Eric Prince, here. And we're just having some great uh, dialogue on a number of topics. Um, and uh, you were just showing me that app that uh, that that uh, shows the really it is it's it's can be some rough conditions in the Straits of Taiwan. Yeah, it's blowing uh, 25 to 27 knots through there now. And um that doesn't let up till springtime. And then uh, when you get much past uh, late June to July, then you're into typhoon season. So not great for an amphibious planner, but that's, uh, that's good for our team, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what do you think? Uh, uh, so she has been cleaning house here. I mean, this is bad. I mean, this is really bad. Um, what do you, what do you no, think is going not, on? It's not cleaning house. He's, he's purging. I mean, he is... <laughs> Look, the 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 factions. He is a young princeling, but he went to war against the Shanghai and the Communist Youth League. As soon as he took power uh, in his first five years, or his oh geez, ten years ago already, uh, he started that anti-corruption campaign, and he just rolled up any opponents. And now that uh, it's you know he's made himself premier for life. After that party congress, uh, was it just uh, 14 months ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when he drags uh, Hu Jintao out of the building publicly as a public FU, I'm in charge. He's replaced the competent people in the finance ministries and the central bank with trusted military loyalists. And now he's just had to fire nine people, everything from the foreign minister to the defense minister to all these key defense positions, there must be some, um, all those people are not incompetent. It must be, must, must be questions of, of loyalty and pushing back. So it would be interesting to see that, that I, again, that's good in that I, it makes it less likely, um, for him to want to have a go at Taiwan, just like, uh, Stalin who had purged all the competent officers out of the Soviet army. And they, <laughs> really made it that much worse when they when they went to war with the Nazis. Um, hopefully that gives uh, the, the, the communist leadership pause about really betting the farm and having a go at Taiwan. But, wow. but who knows? I mean, he's, he's made a lot of radical policy decisions and uh, that would be the most radical one, but it's certainly not, not out of the question. And they, and they've got to, um, you know, the reunification of Taiwan is something he just brought up in his last summit with Biden just a couple couple weeks ago. And he's got to he's got to sit across from Biden and just smell weakness. So. Yeah. I don't know that yeah. we live in uh, we live in dangerous times. Yeah. And in 20, 20, 2024, I think will be um, one of the most dangerous uh years for the republic that we've had in in well over 100 years wow 
Yeah, I think it's going to be bad. Um, you know, it just it, it triggered in my mind here because I meant to bring it up earlier when we were introducing you was uh, your your involvement in IT and information technology here. It's always been it's always impressed me. Uh, and and you've done several things, but now you got a uh, uh, a new phone. Uh, was it the unplugged phone? Yes. Uh, after the the nonsense of the 2020 election, before and after, and big tech canceling certain apps and certain voices, etc. Um, I circled back with uh, some of my friends, and we actually had a a tech team together already doing a cyber unlock. Um, uh, cyber forensic tool and we pivoted and said we need to build a completely independent phone platform that is outside of the google and apple universe so that it's we want to be an uncancelable privacy focused secure phone and it turns out that our cto uh back then three years ago was the guy who developed pegasus originally which is an offensive phone virus which is used for hacking but he developed it as a way for a phone company to do remote service Mm -hmm. And when it became offensive, he left and he built uh, a, a very secure government phone. And then he went on to build a phone that controls most of the world's pacemakers. So if you go into the operating room and you have a pacemaker put in, they open the package and there's the pacemaker, which goes in next to your heart and his phone. Uh, so he really understands offense and defense. So we have built a, a phone now. It is called the unplugged phone. It is comparable in speed, storage, camera quality, graphic quality to the latest and greatest from the big guys, but our phone does not have um, an advertising ID. And so whereas your Google or Apple phone actively harvests where you go, what you buy, who you call and what you browse, and they sell that data mm. to advertisers to advertise, ours does the opposite. Ours blocks, doesn't collect any of that data and it blocks any apps from turning on those functions of your phone to harvest that data. So, you know, our phone is the first phone of its kind with a firewall where you can actively turn on and off and kind of dial your privacy. And so that your data is your data and uh, you can choose to share it if you want to, but you can also hard no, shut that off. So whether it's your Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or NFC or the touch to pay function, um, uh, it's, yeah, it's different. We we intended to be very different, but to be kind of in the world, but not of the world so mm -hmm. that you can still communicate with a lot of the regular apps that you're used to. We have our own app store, um, but it's, um, but it, but it's up to, you know, our, our apps or, or, uh, or whatever other uh, consumer apps you put on your phone, our phone is not working with those apps to export. Anyone I've described this to, uh, says, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I was talking to my wife um, about needing a new mattress, and they mm -hmm. were in the bedroom mm -hmm. talking about it. Didn't type, didn't search, didn't anything, just talking about it. And the next day, they're getting advertising for new mattresses mm -hmm. because your phone is listening. Mm -hmm. Our phone, the unplugged phone, does not listen. And so, um, yeah, we're, uh, we've just come to market with it. We delivered 500 of them um, in November, and we now have 10,000 coming um, and so full launch will be starting, uh, late February. So we're pretty excited. And pe people can pre-order now at unplugged.com. Okay. So go to unplugged.com for the phone. That is absolutely awesome. Um, and, and it's a, I, I, I really like this, um, 
Oh, that, that's great, uh, Eric. Uh, very impressive. I'm I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna look into this here because I I uh, I'm I'm very concerned. I just was looking for a tonneau cover for my truck, and I've never seen such a. No matter where I looked, I was seeing tonneau cover advertisements, and <laughs> and uh, so, um, yeah, that is that is absolutely awesome. And um, so, you have your own apps. So can you? So if I I want to. So, use- so so yes so. We have, well, first of all, it's our operating system sitting on our hardware. Okay. So you, the, the phone, I wish I could, um, uh, we had video I'd show you, but if you go to unplug.com, there's some videos that describe the capability. But again, it's our hardware with our operating system, our code. And then we have our own store <clears throat> with our own secure messenger, VPN, and antivirus. And then we have thousands and thousands of other apps in our app store that uh, you can download. And that's everything from banking to insurance to navigation to sports to the kind of, you know, to Spotify, okay. to the kind of things that you're used to using in your day-to-day life. Um, but obviously we stay away from uh, from certain ones because like Google Mobile Services is based on the premise of harvesting and collecting and monetizing all of your data. And they do that to the tune of about $180 a year. And mm-hmm. yes, you consented to it. When, when you read through the user agreement that no one ever reads mm-hmm. uh, on a Google or an Apple phone, they say, yeah, basically we're collecting and reselling your data. Ours, yeah. we yeah. don't do that at all. And so we contract for that purpose. And so that, that basically unleashes trial lawyers to come after us if we violate that trust. Yeah. And just for maybe a little tactical model, I, I know I shouldn't normally mention brand names, but let's say, okay, my bank, I, I go to USA Bank. So can I put can I put the USA app on your phone? Yes. In fact, okay. it might it probably is in our app store already. Okay. Okay, great. Great. So that that's great. So it sounds like a lot of compatibility, but uh, you've really shut down. All of we the... shut down. We, look, because really a mobile phone has become a portable computer for mm-hmm. people because they're using it for word processing. They're using it for um, for banking, for insurance, for even uh, even for a crypto wallet. You know, our phone doesn't have an advertising ID, so it's very hard for hackers to find your phone. Um, two, we control all the endpoints, which makes it exceedingly difficult, if not impossible, to hack our phone. I won't say it's impossible because everything is eventually hackable. It's just in the in terms of the bell curve, we're going to be way out on the extreme end in terms of of an unaccessible uh, phone for hackers. Uh, so yes, you can you can communicate with your friends and family. You can bank. You can do your insurance. You can check your sports teams and your scores and and the various news apps, etc. But the difference is those apps that are sitting on your phone. Are not collecting where you are, what you're browsing, what the voices are saying around you, uh, etc. Because our operating system cannot carry an advertising ID, and it actively blocks any any app attempt to turn on those listening and nosy functions. Yeah, that that's awesome. And I, uh, you know, I I uh, was part of the team that set up kind of the first mass surveillance system starting in 2007. So I'm pretty familiar with these procedures <laughs> on scale. And uh, this is, I just want to really endorse this uh, to everybody here as we come up to the 2024 election. Uh, 
Well, get, yeah, especially especially cons. especially in a time of AI, when you have, um, if you have that much data leakage of all your preferences, where you're going, what you're everything. Um, you know, there is an article in the Atlantic about six weeks ago, and it talked about a kid in America. By the time they reach the age of 13, that advertisers have collected an average of 72 million data points on them. Mm -hmm. All their preferences, where they go, their schedules, everything, 72 million. So it's like digital grooming uh, that's going on from, from big tech, collecting all your information and then pushing information back to you, which reinforces your tastes or preferences or whatever. It's really dangerous. So if people look, if you're 16 years old and you posted what you had on uh, you know, for breakfast on Instagram, probably not for you. But for an adult that cares about their data security and privacy, or if you're a parent that doesn't want your kids being constantly targeted by advertisers um, and by all the creepy people that that lurk on the internet, this is the phone for them. Yeah, this is this is excellent. This is excellent, and. Uh... Is we got we got uh, this is very closely related. We got two really important Supreme Court cases: Missouri, Louisiana, and uh, now Texas, which is this is all tied in, all tied in. And hopefully, SCOTUS uh, in the in the spring rules in the in the direction of the American people. But uh, this is very important because DHS, CISA, even State Department has been actively targeting Americans and having a phone like this. For the mature adult, and even the even the immature youth, it really helps provide uh, privacy and security. So this is very important. Very important. Good well, job, Eric. Even even anyone that was wrapped up uh, for being on the Capitol on January sixth was wrapped up by cell phone data, yes, by just the advertising ID, which just follows them around. Again, our phone, the unplugged phone, does not have an advertising ID. It is impossible to do that. Um, and what we'll offer uh, when the next batch of phones arrives is a uh, phone, but we'll also offer a global roaming SIM uh, that we can even roll the IMEI number. So it makes it oh, very good. difficult to track to maximize privacy. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's, that's great, uh, Eric. I think it's if we're a, for a republic to remain free, the citizenry must be able to communicate freely and uh, seek the news of of all flavors and let people decide what is right and um, and then how they want to be governed. Yeah. And, and so you can't do that without free communication. And, and sadly uh, the freemium model of, of cell phone communications in that, I think an unhealthy uh, partnership with big advertising and big tech uh, has, has, it was taking us down a very Orwellian 1984 road. And, um, we are here to uh, to save Mr. Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Amen. No, that's great. That's great because this is we got Elvis Chan, Laura Demlo, the whole in interaction with big tech, which I helped set up as part of that. And starting in two thousand seven, it just totally gone back guano crazy, and you can't trust these folks. So having a secure com like this really uh, keeps the government out of your phone. So that's good. Good job, Eric. Good job. We um, a year a year and. Three months ago, we went. We were at the DEFCON Hacker Conference, mm -hmm. and we announced a bounty program because, uh, mm -hmm. again, people want to know: is it really secure? Is there mm -hmm. a backdoor? All the rest. And finally, we 
So we, we announced the bounty program is still running and the money has not been paid out because um, the phones have not been hacked. Um, so we basically um, set it up to, to have to go after our messenger. Uh, again, our, our unplugged messenger is unique in that it generates a new encryption key every call. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, in, in, in government's parlance, it's like the old, uh, I'm dating myself, uh, like a Stu 3 call. <laughs> and you'd call and you have to wait for the thing. It was blinking yeah. and then it finally oh, yeah. went solid green. Yeah. Then you had a secure call. Ours takes five to eight seconds to to fully connect because it's it's generating a new encryption key with the phone it's pairing with. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And I, I know Fort Meade uh, would love to have that encryption key. Uh, and the way they get it normally is the companies give it to them. So this company nope. isn't giving it to them. No chance. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's intentionally not a U.S. company. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, we, we could talk about that on another episode because that's, uh, that's good. Uh, that's good, good. Um, we, we got just a short amount of time here, maybe about a minute. What, so what do you, what do you say, uh, we're running up to the 2024 elections. Is this going to be the 20, the 2020 summer of love on steroids here? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a, uh, a, a very dangerous time. I think it's, uh, it's exceedingly important. Um, you know, if you really believe that there was 92% voter turnout last time, uh, I don't. I tend to not believe that because in Australia, where they fine you if you don't vote, they never get past 80 to 82 percent voter turnout. Suddenly, Joe Biden, a a career politician that no one was ever excited about, gets 92 percent of vote. No. What, What it means is that rural America must turn out every single one of them from your 18 year old kid to your granny sitting on the porch. You got to get them registered and they've got to turn out because this has to be solved with the ballot box because if it doesn't, it's going to be solved by another kind of box. And that's, um, it, we don't want to go there. Amen. The Republic Amen. is worth saving. We owe it to our children to get this right. Oh, that's awesome, Eric. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely right. So ladies and gentlemen, this has just been an absolutely uh, wonderful session and uh, I'm going to have to do this again very soon, Eric, because you just, you were just a, uh, you're, you're again, Victor Davis Hanson with the Trident who also <laughs> knows IT. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. Well, thank you, Eric. It's been an honor uh, to have you on the show and talk with you. And we're going to have to do this again uh, soon. Uh, thank you thank much. You so much. Happy New Year. Hey, happy new year. Thank you, Eric and everyone. It's been an actually absolutely wonderful jam-packed session with Eric Prince. This is Colonel Rhett John on the National Security Hour for America Out Loud News Network.